You're listening to the Lost Mountain Podcast. Lost Mountain exists to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. We hope today's message encourages you towards a deeper relationship with Christ. If you have questions from today's message, email us at info at lmbc.us. Link is in the show notes. We're going to uh, be briefly in a passage that is familiar to most of you this morning. If you're going to be in 2 Timothy, can go ahead and uh, begin turning to 2 Timothy chapter 3 right now. Uh, one of the television shows that uh, our kids and I are, are uh, largely as a family are fans of is, is Survivor, and we've dipped in and out across the years. Uh, in fact, uh, I think our kids thought they had discovered Survivor a few years ago, um, and I think, it, I think it first aired when Sharon and I maybe had been married one year. Uh, we began watching just out of curiosity with friends. We'd meet up on Thursday nights, back when you couldn't binge anything, you had to wait a week until it came out with the next episode, and we'd watch uh, Survivor on Thursday night, and we'd meet up again the next Thursday, and we'd eat the same stuff, and we'd watch the next episode, and so on and so forth. I, I've stayed a fan of it because I, I love the challenges in it, and I especially like as it gets closer to the end of uh, the particular uh, 20, 30-day journey, whatever it is, given the season, um, and you're down to a few uh, contestants, a few people who uh, have still managed to, to navigate both the relational and physical challenges that the game holds. And all of the challenges are individual at that point. And I especially love uh, the static challenges because they're entirely mental. Um, it's how long can you stand on top of this pole? How long can you hold these things out? You know, how long can you press these discs apart? How long can you balance on, on this or whatever? I, I love them because, as I said, they're entirely mental. And so to the degree that contestants can maintain focus, they're usually fine. Their bodies are pretty much all the same at that point. They're all spent. They're exhausted. They're emaciated. Um, and it's, it's simply a matter of focus. And it's amazing to watch uh, some of them. Some of them who haven't won challenges yet get to those at the end. Um, and they're able to win because they're able to maintain focus. I submit to you that this issue of focus is a big deal, not just in the game of Survivor, um, but in our individual lives and our families, certainly in our walk with Christ and in the life of the church and even the life of church denominations. As so I want to submit to you um, two sides of a, a single coin of focus, if you will, that we're going to engage in all throughout 2024. And this is not a, a new vision statement. This is not a changing of the way that we express our mission as a church. It's simply uh, a guide to focus us and what we're going to be emphasizing heavily um, throughout each series and in different ways in the life of our church and in your lives individually. It's simply this, that in 2024, we want to be intentional about going deeper in the word and wider in our witness. Deeper in the word and wider in our witness. If you want to say it uh, fully, deeper in the word of Christ and wider in our witness of Christ. This is not just wordplay. All around us, we're seeing professing believers, churches, entire denominations struggle with this issue of being committed to the word of God as the word of God, as non-negotiable, as life-giving and true, and as true today 
as it has ever been. It is not up for vote by the Supreme Court. It is not up for a majority consensus or opinion by the cultural elites or whims of our day. And yet we're finding believers because precisely they are not rooted in the word of God being blown all over the place. And if you're on social media and you're somewhat biblically formed and theologically formed, you have been shocked at times across the past few years at the kinds of things you've seen professing Christian friends, supporting and advocating and liking and posting. We get, we get an insight into people's thinking in their lives in ways that prior generations simply have not had the opportunity to do. In fact, our friends, many of you will know in the Methodist Church, are going through a great struggle right now. Simply, I propose to you, rooted in the fact that the leaders of the denomination forgot what it means to live in submission to the authority of God through the word of God. And so they've called righteous what God calls unrighteous. They've called well and fine and good in human behavior and decision what scripture calls sin and evil and dangerous. And it's causing this split and you're seeing a new Methodist church be born. You're seeing what uh, Presbyterians saw decades ago uh, when the Presbyterian Church of America was started, PCA, uh, in response to some of the very issues that our Methodist brothers and sisters are going through right now. And so painfully so, as some of you know, if you've got friends um, that are biblically faithful Methodists, it's painful. The, The PCA has given us great faithful pastors and preachers in the Presbyterian denomination like Ligon Duncan and Phil Riken, the late Tim Keller and R.C. Sproul, Kevin DeYoung, the kinds of churches and leaders that you don't find in the other wing of the Presbyterian church in the United States. I just say all that simply by way of illustration to point out what happens. It doesn't just happen to denominations. It happens to churches when we lose our way and we lose Um, our sense of being anchored in the word of God. It happens to individual lives as we decide, I'm not sure that I can trust what's written in the Bible. I'm I'm not sure it's true today like it has been in the past. It doesn't make sense to me. Or in our day, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. We're gonna spend most of our time in the next few minutes talking about what it means to go deeper in the word of Christ Then we'll spend just a few minutes talking about being wider in our witness, which we'll be working out throughout the year. And then I want to leave you with a specific challenge this morning. But I want to read to you a passage that, as I said, most of you will be well familiar with. But I want us to consider it this morning in light of this issue of being deeper and living deeper in the word of Christ as well as wider in the witness of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3 Beginning with verse 14, many of you will know that the Apostle Paul is addressing Timothy, a young protege, as Timothy is uh, leading the organizational ministry in the city of Ephesus. He says, but as for you, but as for you, setting Timothy beside those who 
uh, dance outside of the faith and pagan religion and disbelief. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise. Well, if there's ever been a time when believers needed to be wise, it's right now. We need divine wisdom to sort through all of the voices coming into our lives telling us what's true and what's right and what's good and what we should do and how we should think. We need wisdom from God able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God or person of God or man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Certainly you would have to Um, concede that in a list of biblically granted good works would have to be witnessing to a lost friend or neighbor about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the, the very scripture itself that trains us to be able to do that. But I wanna just remind us something about this book, about the Bible that we take so for granted. Now more than ever, we have it all around us as 21st century Americans. Most of us have it on our phone with such ease, we don't even bother to carry an actual Bible around. I submit to you, you know I'm gonna fight for this, that there's still a difference. There's a difference in me reading my Bible on the same thing that I get all the texts on and I get my email on and I get alerts uh, from Kentucky Fried Chicken on. Not really, I don't like KFC. But you get all of that kind of stuff on And picking up a book around which there's no other purpose but to open it as the word of God and to engage it as the word of God. (coughs) I'm sorry for that. You have to bear with me just a bit as I get through this morning. But I want to remind you that the Bible, at its very core, is about, it's about who? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. The Old Testament, as you read it, you realize that Jesus is predicted In the Gospels, Jesus is revealed. In the Epistles, Jesus is explained. I'll skip Acts. In Acts, the book of Acts, Jesus is preached. In the Epistles, Jesus is explained, the letters. And in Revelation, Jesus is expected. Jesus is the center of the word of God. And when you look at passages like Psalm 19, they're a great reminder why God has given us his word to feed on every single day. The writer of Psalm 19, verse seven says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Now, the law of the Lord is just a a phrase used in the Old Testament, sometimes to speak specifically to the first five books of the Bible. But more often than not, used to refer to the entire word of God, the instruction of God to humanity. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Anyone need a little soul refreshment as you get to the end of 2023? (coughs) The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. Thank you. 
making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Anybody missing joy? Are you willing to trust this morning that the precepts of the Lord, what God teaches us in Scripture about himself, ourself, and life, give joy to the heart? You don't have to understand it to accept it. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They're firm, in other words, you can stand on them. You can take your stand. You can build your life. <coughs> you can trust what they teach you. We're hoping this year to see all LMBCers consistently engaged in God's word in at least three levels. One is a teaching level like you're experiencing here on Sunday morning. Second is the discussion level or relational level like you experience in Sunday morning Bible study, in home groups. LM Institute kind of splits both of those and has a foot in both levels. And thirdly, at the devotional level or the personal private level where you're coming to God's word Hopefully, both informationally and transformationally, you're coming to God's word prayerfully, thoughtfully, and obediently. Alexander White said there are two ways to read scripture, the way a lawyer reads a will and the way an heir reads a will. I think he's exactly right. And obviously, he's contending that we read it as an heir reads the will. We're going to be putting tools in your hands and we're going to be encouraging you and we're going to be working through your Bible study leaders all year long, as well as being intentional in how and what we're preaching and what we're um, putting in your minds in terms of rogue repetition to lead us to be deeper and deeper in the word throughout this year. I don't know what else you build a church on. <coughs> I don't know what else on. I do know that churches in the U.S. since the late 90s have tried everything under the sun to build the church on other than the Word of God. We've tried momentum as business books came out. The Law of the Big Mo, John Maxwell. We've tried uh, leadership technique, good to great Jim Collins, all the business stuff hits. The church has grabbed it all, said, that's it, that's the ticket, that's what's wrong with us. We've tried the arts. We could just have drama and we could have someone up here making a, a piece of pottery while I preach or someone up here painting the sermon as I preach, you know, to connect with the painters in the audience. Preaching's only been enough for 2,000 years. It's not enough for us. We've tried personality cults, big pastors with nice shoes and gold chains, lots of hair product all doing CrossFit, all eventually winding up in the news. Thank you. We've tried everything we could possibly think of, this kind of music and that kind of music. Kitchen churches and bar churches and coffee churches. Can I just submit to you that all of those have and will continue to fail? Because God has not deemed to build his church on anything 
but his word. But the gospel of Jesus Christ empowered through the spirit of God. That's it. That's it. It's enough. And it works. And out of that, as you go deeper in the word, you necessarily go out wider in witness. Wider in the witness of Christ. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, the passage again, right after you see the verse that so many of us hear quoted all the time, all scriptures God breathed and he's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, <clears throat> you see a, a little phrase there, so that. It's actually as if Paul wasn't through thinking yet. Uh, all scripture is, is good and useful and right so that for the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. <clears throat> Some of you, the very root of your frustration in your walk with Christ is nothing more and nothing less than a lack of going deeper in the word of Christ consistently and letting it wash over you and letting it equip you and prepare you, equip you to do all the good works that God's people are called to, but especially to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. I submit to you, again, what I said last Sunday, that the heart of our lack of witness, I believe, is exactly the struggle that the Apostle Paul himself was having in Rome when he said, I therefore am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, is it. Is it beyond belief from a human standpoint? Absolutely, it's ridiculous. If you think of a religion to save the world and you come up with this one, it's completely ridiculous. But Paul said, you know what? I'm not ashamed of it because I know it to be the power of God to save those who believe, first Jews and then Gentiles. So as we talk about being wider in witness, I want to just start by commending you, by urging you, by imploring you to memorize Paul's words in Romans 1 and tell yourself, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not, not your story. It's not your story that saves. We bought into that in the late 90s too. <clears throat> People don't want to know that much about the Bible. They want to know your story. That's fine. They may want to, but your story won't save them. The gospel saves people. Jesus' story saves people. We need to get the guts again to share his story. Because I'll tell you what, friends, don't you be conceived by the squishy, Christ-haunted Bible Belt area we live in. Your street and my street are filled with lost people, filled with them. Your workplace, sorry to say my work, I hope my workplace isn't. There's <coughs> always that chance, though. Maybe me. Your workplaces, your schools, people lost and dying, people who've got just enough Jesus to get a speed pass to hell. And they need some friends, some men and women around them who are not ashamed of the gospel, who aren't afraid to share the gospel, who aren't afraid to say, you're absolutely alienated from God in sin and rebellion. God has made a way for you to be forgiven, to be restored through faith in Jesus Christ because of what Christ did on the cross for you. Reggie McNeil said this. I found it stunning and so true. He said, how many evangelism programs have you encountered in which sharing the gospel assumes 
no relationship with the customer, and Jesus is sold like soap. That's not what we're advocating for here. We're not advocating you go around trying to share the gospel consistently with people you have no relationship with and trying to peddle Jesus like a new kind of soap. What I believe is, and what scripture teaches, Acts 17, is that God has placed you where he has intentionally and strategically in your neighborhood, in your vocation, in your season of life. And if you'll go to him and say, God, I will not be ashamed of the gospel. Help me with my personality, with my temperament, with my words, in a way that aligns with how you've made me Share the message of Jesus. Help me do that, and I will do that. Guide me to people in my life. They're already there. Can you imagine what kind of year we could have if we said, look, one for one, I want to sit here next year having been blessed by God with the ability to help lead one person to faith in Christ and see them growing as a disciple. What a wild and fun and spiritually um, maturing year this would be for you as an individual and for us as a church. But it starts with praying and acknowledging, God, you've put me where where you have for a reason, and I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm going to stop just seeing the same neighbors all the time, and I'm going to pray and ask for you to give me an opportunity to meet them, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to begin to pray for them, and I'm going to wait and look for an opportunity to share my faith with them, to invite them to church, to invite them to something after I first invite them to church. What if one person could come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord this year because of your personal witness and invitation? What if the healing hope and love of Christ could come into one person's life, maybe one home where it doesn't currently exist and change an entire family this year? because you were faithful to pray, pray, faithful to share, faithful to invite. Some of you grew up in homes without the hope of Christ in them. You know well the darkness and the pain that often exists there. Mark Dever said, we mustn't be content to just sit around pointing out the errors in others. We actually need to be sharing the gospel and praying for people to be converted. There's someone you're working with, someone you're living around, someone you're going to school with, who desperately needs someone who has enough courage and enough kindness to tell them that Jesus loves them and that they're a sinner. We want to provide you throughout this year with tools and opportunities. That's our responsibility as pastors and staff is to help equip you to do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is the responsibility of the church. Our responsibility is to equip you, and we plan on doing that throughout this year in a whole host of ways. We're going to start this morning, though. Um, If you, uh, I know you did, grab your connection cards, will you? Grab those blue and white connection cards that are in your seat. I want to talk to you about something that uh, we're going to call, and, and I don't know if we've done it here 
or not, but if not, we need to, and this is a great time. The first 15 challenge, the first 15. Here's what I wanna do, and some of you, (coughs) you already do this, some of you go beyond this, but I wanna challenge you to commit as a church to spend just the first 15 minutes of your day in prayer and Bible study, 15 minutes in prayer and Bible study. Hopefully when you came in, you had a little booklet like this in your seat as well. Um, I'll tell you more about that in just a second. Um, The first 15, now this is not a legalistic thing. Uh, If you remember, Jesus told those who were criticizing how his disciples handled the Sabbath that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The first 15 is made for man, not man for the first 15. So get up, brush your teeth, get your coffee, do whatever you need to do. Some of you will need to get the kids out of the house, that kind of thing. But before you really engage your day, and you're sensible people, you can decide when that is, pause and say, with my church, with my church, I want to spend the first 15 minutes of every day to the best of my ability this whole year in prayer and Bible study. First 15. If you're willing to do that, we wanna help you, we wanna encourage you, and we want to pray for you off and on throughout the year. So um, if that's a challenge you're willing to take, will you just write first 15 somewhere on your connection card? I'll promise you that it is a challenge that will, will change your life this year. It really will. And you're gonna miss mornings. That's the way it is. Remember? This exists for you, not you for this. The first 15. In doing so, we want to give you this Bible reading calendar. What we're going to do is challenge all of us in the church this year, all of us in the church this year, to read the Bible through in a year. It's perfectly doable. This is a a little Bible reading calendar developed by a Scottish pastor, Robert Murray McShane. Robert Murray McShane, who actually died when he was 29. He died two months short of his 30th birthday. Uh, But a remarkable young man and pastor, he developed this reading plan that his congregation used. In the front of this, you'll see a, a note from him about both the dangers and the advantages of formal reading. The note stands exactly as he wrote it in 1842. In 1842, you'll see as you look at the reading, it has family reading and private reading each day. You can use that however you want to. I typically will just read two chapters in the morning, two chapters uh, in the evening. But if you follow McShane's plan, who has become, uh, which has become probably the single most beloved and followed. Um, annual Bible reading plan that we have. What you will have done at the end of this next year (coughs) is not only read the entire Bible through once, but you'll have read the New Testament and Psalms through twice. That's how it works to, to, to have a balance of Old Testament, New Testament reading each day. But I don't want us to be deceived in believing that we can spend that kind of engaged time in God's word and not be changed. We will be changed. We will be changed. And one of the beauties and the powers of of utilizing a plan throughout a church, you'll find these stacked all throughout the church this year. They're gonna be in your Bible study uh, rooms. They're gonna be in foyers. The plan is online now. It's on the the LNBC app. 
so that we can start tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, some of you will be reading chapters in your Bible, beginning this year-long journey, and you'll be knowing that, that you've got dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of brothers and sisters in Christ at LNBC who are reading the same chapters. And what our hope and prayer is is that that bleeds out some into discussions, into questions. Some of you will read something you've never read before and be quite stunned that that's in the Bible. We're too proper to actually preach all the Bible on a Sunday morning. We couldn't stand it. Preachers would get fired. So we skip the parts we consider inappropriate and we just preach the tasteful stuff. But it's all there for us. Take this with you today. Take this little booklet with you today. And I really encourage you with as much energy and gusto as I can without having a coughing fit, which I'm trying terribly hard to avoid, to commit to the first 15 this next year and see what God will do. Talk to a friend, talk to your spouse. Let them know you're trying. Think of your space right now. Where do I wanna spend that first 15? Maybe if you're a mom and dad with little kids, you're gonna have to trade out a little bit so that each of you can get 15 minutes in and get out the door. Do what you need to do. We want to follow you and pray for you. Finally, I'll leave you with this quote by John Bunyan because I think it's a great reminder for all of us. If a Puritan giant like Bunyan who wrote Pilgrim's Progress can understand this, we should too. He said, I have sometimes seen more in a line of the Bible than I could well tell how to stand under. And yet at another time, the whole Bible hath been to me as dry as a stick. If you've lived very long and you've been much of a faithful student of Scripture, you've had those times. Don't worry about what God is or isn't saying to you at a specific time or on a specific morning or in a specific chapter. <clears throat> Some chapters you're just going to read. And you're going to trust God's goodness with that. You're going to know the story because we're called to. And at other times, God is almost gonna so fill that 15-minute space that it's all you can do. You're gonna keep going 20, 30, 40 minutes, and it's gonna be all that you can do to leave it, <coughs> to go to work or to go throughout your other obligations during the day. Leave that to God's good, sovereign care. And let's commit ourselves this year, personally and corporately, to going much deeper in the word of Christ and much wider in the witness of Christ. We'll have specific events throughout the year that we haven't done before, at least since I've been here, um, that's gonna take a lot of us to pull off. We're gonna encourage you to invite unchurched friends and neighbors. We're going to have seminars that will equip you for living evangelistically. What does it mean to live evangelistically in a way where we're not peddling Jesus like the newest soap? <coughs> and so on and so forth. Our job is to give you tools. Our job is to equip you. Your job is to do the work of ministry, to do the work of the church. In just a minute, I'm gonna pray for us, and as I pray, our offering ushers are gonna make their way to their positions, and they're going to uh, pass the buckets when I finish. Last Sunday of the year, last Sunday to get your year-end uh, giving in, but hey, if you want to mail it in, just date it today and stick it in the mail later. Uh, we'll take care of you. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you for your word which gives light to our darkness. God, for your word which is perfect, radiant, which gives light not just to the darkness but to our own eyes, God, allowing us to see clearly. God, your word which makes wise the simple. God, your word which is perfect and firm upon which we can stand and not be shaken. Father, I pray that through your spirit this morning we'd be drawn to you in your word and through your word. God, we would recommit ourselves to be serious students and disciples of yours, trusting you to meet us there as we commit to follow in obedience. God, and out of that time with you, to be much wider in our witness. May it be so, Lord Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. For more information about Lost Mountain, visit us online at lnbc.us. Thanks for tuning in today.